This is Ballin' with the Bison, your home for everything you need to know about Bucknell women's basketball. Shovel out, Allie Johnson from 30 feet. Oh my! On the drive, shot blocked by Cap. And the ball game is over. The Bucknell Bison hang on for a humongous victory. Rebound, Tessa Brugler puts it on the floor once, goes up, bucket good, and the foul. Three-point play coming up for Tessa Brugler. Three seconds left, the Bucknell Bison are Patriot League champions in the 2019-2020 season. And now, here's your host, Joe Basile. And welcome in to this week's edition of Ballin' with the Bison. I am Joe Basile, joined as always by Tom Ferguson. And of course, this is the uh, season finale of season two of Ballin' with the Bison. Uh, happened, Tom, probably uh, a week or so earlier than than either of us would have liked uh, to be recording this particular episode. But uh, of course, Bucknell falling in the Patriot League semifinals to Lehigh, who then went on and beat Boston University and uh, drew a 13 seed in the NCAA tournament to represent the Patriot League and uh, for the Bison, the season uh, coming to an end sooner again than anyone would have hoped a nine and one record uh, to wrap things up. And, you know, it, for me, it's been a wide range of reactions over the last few weeks. Uh, not weeks, but well, yes, weeks, but specifically days, really, right. of, you know, for a while it looking like, well, maybe this team won't get back on the court for a while. And then, okay, finally cleared to play going into the tournament, beat Loyola in the first round uh, in that quarterfinal game last Sunday. And then you were going into facing Lehigh for a fifth time. And obviously, <laughs> like, Playing any team for a fifth time is not going to be an easy challenge, but especially not Lehigh, who, frankly, I don't think Lehigh played particularly well offensively for what they normally do. Um, you look at their shooting percentages, the way that they shot from three in the game, they didn't really beat Bucknell by going out and hitting 10, 11, 12 three-pointers. They beat him because they played really good defense and they simply had more depth. They could go to the bench and find points and, and get some additional scoring. Uh, whereas for Bucknell last Thursday, that that wasn't something that they were able to do. And, and it resulted in the first loss of the season, the only loss of the season, but uh, you know, in, in a game that, uh, that obviously mattered a, a little bit more than those regular season games did. Yeah, I, I was watching along uh, from from my I was doing some high school basketball, a district tournament and, and had you guys on the, the ESPN three on my phone or whatever, as as this was all going on on ESPN plus. And uh, from what I saw, Joe, it, it, yeah, Lehigh played outstanding defense. They, they figured out what they needed to do to shut Bucknell down. I think what we had talked about in the last episode kind of came to fruition where it wasn't the first game back that was going to bother the Bison. It might have been that second game. It might might have just been getting used to that, especially on a shorter week than they'd been used to throughout the entire season. And from what I saw late in that second half, every time it felt like the Bucknell run was coming. 
They get a big end one. They get a big stop. They get the ball back. They have a chance to cut the lead to uh, two possessions or something like that. Get within single digits. Lehigh found a basket. Lehigh mm-hmm. found an answer. They'd hit a big three-point shot. They'd come down, get a big layup, and get a stop on defense and score again. They just found ways in the end of that game to just stymie Bucknell when it came for the Bison to try to get back in. And, you know, hats off to, to the Mountain Hawks, and, and we knew that that was a tough team. We saw it We saw it four games in the regular season, and then you saw it for the fifth time. They, uh, they figured out the formula to make it work, mm-hmm. and they took that and they went on to win the Patriot League tournament. Yeah, I think really the key sequence in the game was Bucknell had come back, I forget if it was late in the third quarter or early in the fourth, come back, it was a three-point game, and took a shot, three-pointer, chance to tie. That missed, Lehigh grabbed the rebound, came back the other way, and Mary Clockerty hit a straightaway three to make it from a three-point game to a six-point Lehigh lead. And really, I, I felt like that was that was the point in the second half where you had started to see the comeback brewing again. And that just let all of the air out of the balloon. And it's not that the team gave up because they didn't, they kept fighting for the rest of the game, but it it felt like that moment was kind of a deflating moment in that entire game. And and that was, um, you know, something that things really hinged upon for the rest of, uh, of the contest. And, um, again, it's it's all credit to Lehigh for for going out and executing on a day where they weren't their normal selves offensively. They still played well enough to win and then did the same thing again in the Patriot League Championship game against Boston University. If you watched any of that game, Lehigh, again, did not have its normal offensive game where they were averaging 75 points a game this season when they weren't facing Bucknell. And then they go out and they score in the in the mid 60s against Boston University, but they played good enough defense to come away with a victory um, and reach the NCAA tournament. And they got themselves a pretty good seed. Uh, not that I think anyone was underestimating Lehigh, but I feel like for a team that was, you know, the uh, the number four seed in the Patriot League tournament to come away with a 13 um, is pretty darn good. And uh, I think that it speaks very highly of the conference and the respect that the Patriot League uh, got from the committee in that, okay, the, the team that finished fourth in the regular season still got a 13 seed as opposed to, you know, what you see sometimes where, you know, all right, if it's not the conference champion, they're going to get a, a 14, a 15, a 16. Um, you know, that that was not the case. And so obviously a, a good thing for the Mountain Hawks and, you know, I said this on the post game show on Thursday, getting to see them five times this year. Um, you get to really get to know the players, some of their backstory. And, and frankly, they're an easy team to root for. They, they really are. Um, you know, it's it's a rivalry, but it, I feel like there's a lot of uh, mutual respect between the two teams. And, um, you know, obviously, uh you know, at least I will be cheering them on. You know, I don't want to speak for anybody else uh, or put words in anyone's mouths, but, um, you know, of course, uh, hoping the Patriot League brings home a big victory in the tournament. Yeah, um, uh, you know, they're 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 good. And and they, like you said, they got that respect. You had been, we had always been going over the ratings. You've been kind of 
tweeting them out or whatever the, the net ratings in, in terms of where the Patriot League teams are week to week. And you look at the teams they beat in the tournament, Bucknell and Boston, they're pretty high up there. So the committee obviously saw those numbers, obviously looked at the body of work and said, these guys deserve a, a pretty decent seed. Uh, even, even as a four seed out of the Patriot League and winning the tournament, they deserve something for how well they've played. There's a lot of respect there. And, you know, they're slotted against West Virginia. I, I think this season in, in both men's and women's basketball, Joe, is probably more prone to upsets than any other just because mm-hmm. it's been so incomplete, just because teams are have other things going on that they're thinking about or, or haven't been able to have like the full team together, whatever the case may be. So this season is more prone probably to upsets and, and teams getting in and teams going on runs that maybe nobody thought. And like, look at Lehigh, they're, they're a four seed. They win two games on the road to win the conference tournament. Now all of a sudden they're, they're a dangerous team against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting game to pay attention to. Yeah, West Virginia is a very tough team. They've got a lot of length. They've got shooters. They've got good post presence. Um, they're a team that likes to really press and, and play hard defensively, kind of like what Bob Huggins does on the men's side is what Mike Carey does uh, in West Virginia women's basketball. And he's done an excellent job of building that program up and, um, you know, really putting them in, in a good position. I mean, they're a top 16 seed in the tournament. Like if this was a normal year, you know, this game would be at the Coliseum in West Virginia, they would be hosting. So um, I think, you know, obviously that speaks highly to how good West Virginia is and, and hopefully Lehigh is able to put on a good showing and, and maybe, uh, you know, get lucky, get hot from three, hit a bunch of shots and, and come away with a, with a victory. Meanwhile, then you look at this Bucknell side to, to turn the attention back around. You know, you're at two years in a row where COVID significantly impacted your chances to make a tournament or at least play in a postseason tournament. Uh, I mean, obviously last year, um, you know, even if the Bison didn't win the Patriot League tournament, they had the auto bid to the WNIT. Uh, sewn up because they were the regular season champion in the Patriot League. So there would have been some sort of postseason last year, uh, even if Bucknell was not able to get over the top in the semifinals or the Patriot League championship game. And then this year, obviously no bid to the WNIT for frankly reasons that I I am not aware of. I I don't I don't know anything other than I don't think it was ever in consideration. Um, but I don't know why. I don't know where that decision was made. I want to be, you know, upfront about that. Right. But one way or another, uh, you know, this is now two years where I think a a healthy team going into this year's Patriot League tournament wins the tournament. I, I, I believe that this Bucknell team was head and shoulders um, when they were healthy and when they were going strong in those first eight games of the season above any other team in the Patriot League. And it, it's hard to say with Boston um, because never really saw them play in person. Um, but with what Lehigh was able to do to Boston in the Patriot League championship game, that makes me think that, okay, well, Lehigh and Boston were probably about on the same plane. And mm-hmm. I think that Bucknell was a better team than Lehigh this year. I think they're, they're both up there. You know, there's not a big gap, but 
I think that there was a gap. I mean, when you beat a team four times in four straight games, um, you know, I think that that really speaks to that. Um, you know, when you're able to come from behind by 18 on the road in their house, um, again, I, that speaks to something. But it just felt like the team never really got its legs back underneath it coming back from a five-week COVID shutdown. Um, and that was always the possibility. They didn't particularly play well against Loyola, but were able to get away with it because Loyola was not as good of a team as Lehigh was. Um, and then, you know, didn't play their best game against Lehigh. In fact, uh, you know, I thought it was one of the worst games overall that I think Bucknell has played since November of 2019, the, the first five games of last season, uh, yeah. you know, in the losses to Virginia, Quinnipiac, and Temple. Um, I, I think, you know, pick one of those three games, and I think that this Lehigh game was was kind of there. Um, and I, I say that, and I don't think it's the fault of the coaches. I don't think it's the fault of the players. I think it's the fault of you're going up against a really strong opponent, having not really played or practiced much in over a month. And that was, you know, barring a miracle or a lot of luck, you know, something that was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you talk to any of the players or, or anyone on the coaching staff, they won't use COVID as an excuse, but I will use COVID as the excuse as kind of the impartial third party here uh, to kind of look and, uh, you know, almost kind of perform the autopsy on what exactly happened. Uh, I think, you know, the cause of it underlying everything else was, was the shutdown because players got out of rhythm on the offensive end and, and never were quite able to find it. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. Um, I, I think, uh, I am loath to blame any kind of anything on players or coaches this year, just because this is something completely different. This, this past year and a half year over a year now that we've been dealing with this has been something that no one has really had to deal with in a century. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's kind of flying by the seat of their pants, kind of hoping they can figure out, put the pieces together to get to where they need to go and, you know, like you said, the coaching staff, the players aren't going to use it as an excuse. But if you don't play a game or really even practice for 35 days and then come back and play a game and then come back three days later and play another one against the top opponent like Lehigh, there's really not much you can do. There's not much you can expect to happen. And uh, my heart, uh, you know, it aches for, for the seniors um, that have had this happen twice to them now in their, in their college careers and have had it affected this way, you know, at, mm -hmm. at least there's some consolation in the fact that it may be some closure in the fact that they did get to play against yep. Lehigh. I know the result and certainly the circumstances surrounding it weren't perfect, but sometimes that's what life is, but at least they got to play this one out. There's some closure to that, but like the seniors that have given so much for Bucknell um, and, and certainly deserved a better shot than what COVID-19 has dealt them, you know, you, you, you feel bad for them because this was going, this, these were two special Bucknell teams that mm -hmm. really had a chance to do something extraordinary in, uh, in, in Bucknell history and just weren't able to do it because of this situation. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the accomplishments 
of what the senior class did in their four years at Bucknell. You're looking at nearly 100 wins. I mean, there's three 20-win seasons, and then, of course, the nine this year, uh, I believe it, it all kind of adds up to 83 wins in, in total in the four years. Uh, they had the WNIT appearance as uh, freshmen back in 2018. There was the 2019 NCAA tournament, and it's just crazy to think that with all of those accomplishments and how great the teams have been, over the last four years, that it's limited to just one WNIT and just one uh, NCAA tournament, uh, despite winning the conference last year by four games, despite uh, you know this year winning the division and being the only undefeated team in the conference, um, you know that that this is kind of the way in missing the postseason because of you know a once in a lifetime global pandemic. Um, you know it's it's kind of disheartening um you know and when you look at the losses that the bison have going into next year whether it is you know it's four starters uh, there's there's no mincing about it uh, tessa brugler first team all patriot league and someone who I, i've said multiple times i think if bucknell gets a full schedule in this year and plays more than eight games she is right in the conversation for patriot league player of the year with natalie Kikowski and maybe yep. gets her over the top um, you know, Abby Cap, the all-time three-point shooting leader, got that right at the end of the game um, in Bucknell history. Autumn Seppi, one of the great, best defensive players uh, in the Patriot League and someone who came on this year as a starter and contributed not only defensively, but stepped her offensive game up as well and, and really kind of developed in that regard toward the end of the season. And of course, Allie Johnson, who is another great three-point shooter, completely over shadowed I think at times by what Abby Cap did but stepped into the point guard role this year and really took the down stretch of last year as well and really played well and provided a great spark and a lot of leadership um, and so you lose those four players going into next season you bring back Taylor O'Brien who started Marley Walls who has started um, as a sophomore and then those are the only two players with real starting experience that are coming back for Bucknells. So I think a lot hinges on the recruiting class mm -hmm. for this upcoming season and how this year's uh, first years develop as sophomores next season, because obviously coming in this year, you couldn't have a lot of expectations for a freshman class that didn't have a summer that didn't really have a fall and is just trying to get acclimated to the college game. And that's a tall challenge. They dealt with some injuries as well, um, but it's going to be tough. Uh, that said, four players going out, there's a three-player class that is, you know, signed NLIs right now. So uh, among that, a Miss Basketball, two McDonald's All-American nominees, um, and a player out of Scranton Prep and Cecilia Collins, Tom, who I know you've seen, a couple of times uh, over the years calling calling games there and uh, you know have have been impressed by so on paper it looks like it is a strong class coming in but with the losses it, it's hard to really project out to next year exactly what everything's going to look like in the Patriot League and and with Bucknell and uh, it really makes you appreciate just how special uh, these last two seasons have really been yeah, I, I think when you look 
you know, you, you'll see obviously great statistical achievements uh, with the outgoing senior class, like you said, Tessa, and and certainly what um, what Abby Cap were able to put together uh, these last two years. Autumn Seppi stepping up and, and doing what she did this past year. You know, Allie Johnson kind of filling the role she needed to. Um, you know, maybe taking a step back as a quote unquote scorer and facilitating a little more with the offense this year, um, and and doing a great job. You know, scoring when she had to, but but really leading the offense and, and, and that senior leadership, the, a core group of seniors like that, that have been through this together is invaluable. And it, it's going to be something that will be tough to replace for coach Woodruff and company. But I mean, you look at, you know, you, you mentioned Marley, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Taylor O'Brien. I look at someone like a Carly Kershaw that's probably going to have, have a bigger role hopefully next year. Uh, and, and, and like you said, some of the freshmen, uh, some of the mm -hmm. younger players that we saw a little bit of, um, and we saw some good things. We saw some okay things and, and, you know, they'll have a year to, to kind of work together, bring in the new freshman class and, and, and see what happens. Hopefully with how things are progressing and Lord knows everything can change, uh, with, with this COVID-19 pandemic, that is how this has gone, but hopefully with the incoming class, it can be a little more quote unquote normal in terms of onboarding them getting them used to the program, getting them in and working out, they can practice more and all that. And it's not quite what it was last year where people are coming in, it's remote. You're not really practicing or getting to know the players until the fall, you know? So hopefully mm -hmm. there's a little more consistency, if you will, and they can build those relationships, get those practices in, get those workouts in and get themselves up and running and ready to go. I imagine there's going to be a lot of hunger and there's definitely what we talked about last week, that unfinished business, that didn't go away with the seniors. That mm -hmm. stayed. That's still there with some yeah. of those key players, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny. This was a predominant thought that kind of came into my mind, you know, in the day or two following last Thursday's game. But with the way that, you know, the 1920 season ended, it almost felt like this year was a just a continuation of last year. Like it just hit the pause button. And it picked back up this year because there never really was that kind of closure at the end of the year. Um, mm -hmm. And now it feels like that book is, is closed. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, or at least that chapter is, is closed and it's kind of time to turn the, uh, the new page over. And what I will say to, to try to <laughs> end on somewhat of a lighter note is one great thing to see is uh, Ellie Mack is back in the NCAA tournament playing with Oregon State and she gets a crack at Florida State which is of course uh, Bucknell's opponent in the NCAA tournament in 2019 so a chance for uh, for Ellie to get some revenge on the Seminoles and that's also in the same side that Lehigh and West Virginia are playing so if Lehigh pulls a first round upset over West Virginia and Oregon State beats Florida State you've got Ellie Mack going up against Lehigh in the second <laughs> round of the tournament which would be uh that would be a lot of fun, um, but obviously, of course, uh, we're all going to be big Beavers fans uh, coming up here in a couple of days, um, you know, and, and we'll see where everybody else lands. Of course, with the blanket waiver this year, seniors all have an extra year of eligibility, and, you know, there are reports flying around, nothing that Tom or I can, uh, you know, confirm or deny, but they're out there on Twitter, and, uh you know, it'll be interesting to see what what kind of comes of uh, of all of that. But of course, with that part said, 
we are, um, you know, are we eternally grateful to the families of the four seniors. Um, you know, Tom, this is something you didn't get the chance to experience this year, but, um, you know, when I was on the road in 2019, 2020, uh, getting to see so many of the families of players at all the road games and uh, getting to say hi and seeing them out at Soika Pavilion uh, during home games, um, interacting on Twitter and all that stuff it has just been, uh, you know, really great and really special um, over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, whether it's the seeing the Bruglers uh, all around and, and having good conversations with them or, you know, uh, the Seppies, the Johnsons, the, the Caps, seeing them out all the time. It, I will sincerely miss that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, that's always the bittersweet part uh, of everything. Obviously, it's, it's best of luck to, to everyone. And the next phase of basketball, of career, of life, of whatever it is. But, uh, but it's always kind of that, uh, that bittersweet feeling uh, at the end of a season uh, that, you know, people who were part of your experience at Bucknell basketball over the last couple of years, um, you know, are, are, uh, are not going to be back uh, hopefully next November uh, when we're somewhat back to normal and, and playing games again. Yeah, that's, it's always the, an interesting part for broadcasters like us, Joe, where, you know, we, we get into this business and we're told to be impartial and, and, you know, not really to be attached and, and to, to, to provide energy for both sides, whatever it might be. But, you know, once you kind of get involved with the team uh, and, and, and become part of that team dynamic, even as the broadcaster, you start to see those relationships, you start to see the girls play a couple times and you get an idea of feel for the team and, and kind of the vibe and start to see the behind the scenes stuff. You get to meet some of the parents and things like that. And you become a part of it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I would never compare myself to coach Woodruff or anybody on the coaching staff. They're a little better at the job than I am, but <laughs> I, I kind of understand what kind of what coaches go through when they have to say goodbye to a senior class and then turn around and welcome a new class in, you know, welcome a, a new group of people in and, and do the same things, nurture them and, and bring them along and, 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 you know, get to know them, get to know their stories. So, it's uh, it's it's always bittersweet, and I, I said something like this the other night when I was watching a high school game, and you know these, these kids lost on a last second shot, and you're never ready. You know, as a senior, you may think you know how things are going to end, and you're going to fight like hell to keep your seasons going and and to keep things running the way you want to. But at the end of the day, when that season comes to an end, you're not ready for it to end. It's still going to hit you like a ton of bricks, and it's it's a very tough situation. It's very hard. Uh, it's very emotional, but it's um, it's something we've all dealt with, you know, one, in one way or another. And it's it's something that we'll get through. And and you know, these these seniors will have a, have a tough week or whatever, and then they'll they'll think back fondly about the memories and and the relationships they've made uh, through Bucknell. Certainly, this past year, all the time they've spent together and bonded with their teammates. Um, It'll, it, it'll be tough, but it'll be rewarding at the same time. Absolutely. Well, Tom, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure all year. Thanks for, uh, for being a part of, uh, of this year podcast in season number two. Thanks for including me, Joe. I appreciate uh, you and, and the guys at Learfield and the guys at Bucknell that, uh, that have brought me in here in this weird situation we had this year doing away games, but uh, I was happy to do it. And 
thanks to Buck, the Bucknell family. And like you said, the parents for uh, interacting and, and, and being a part of the journey and, and kind of helping me and, and us feel like we are a part of the, the, the Bucknell faithful here. Absolutely. Well, I think that's uh, about as good of a note as we can hit uh, to send it off here on this uh, unbelievable pandemic season. Nine and one, the final record, and uh, of course, the loss in the Patriot League semis. Hopefully next November, early, maybe that first week, we'll uh, get you the opening tip for the 2021-22 season, um, you know, but obviously that's a long way away, and there's uh, a whole lot that needs to get done to get ready for that. Um, so, you know, get vaccinated as soon as you can. That's all I can say. Uh, that, that is my only commentary on the mm -hmm. situation. And, and hopefully we'll be able to safely have a full basketball season next year. And we'll see what it certainly holds. So for Tom Ferguson, I'm Joe Basile. Thank you all so much for listening all season long. This has been season two of Balling with the Bison. We'll be back to preview next year in about six months from now. Until then, take care, everybody. Stay safe. Don't be a stranger. We're on social media. And, uh, we'll talk to you next time.